for our first reading, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 8, I'm sorry, 7 through 8. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and bold, for you are the one who will go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their ancestors to give them, and you will put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And for our second reading, Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 through 20. Truly, I tell you, whatever you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there amongst them. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. Will you pray with me, please? Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful, and kindle in us the power of your love. Amen. Two by two, it's a famous gospel passage. Many of us have learned it when we were small, as my mother used to say, knee-high to a grasshopper. Whether we believe it literally or figuratively, I think we all understand the premise by which it was given, where two or more, God says, he will be with us. We believe he's here in the congregation this evening. His forgiving grace is with us tonight. Or whether we were with family or with friends or in a small group, God says, I will be present. In the other passage that Jan read out of Deuteronomy, my mother used to say to me, Barry, keep God in front of you. Keep him right in front of you. He's right there. He's right there, as they say in the Jewish tradition, as close as breath itself. And in those, uh, to take confidence in those, that particular passage of two by two, that scripture in my life, as my faith journey has begun and changed over the decades, has been a remarkable thing that has occurred in my life. And I think for me, it has been, it's been people that have come across my pathway to basically hold me up and guide me in the pathway of faith. And God, I feel, has put those people right there when I needed them the most. My story is, my life story is a bit different, but not unique. Uh, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, the Dayton area. And my mother and my father, have you ever heard people where they say opposite attracts? Well, right? <laughs> Sometimes. So my mother and my father come from culturally poles, like from here, if you will. My mother grew up in this area, up on a farm outside of Plain City. As a young girl, used to drive a team of horses. And at five foot three, was the strongest person I've ever met in my entire life, spiritually the strongest person I've ever met, and probably will ever meet. The other person is sitting here, my wife, <laughs> Jan. <laughs> Both of them, two strong women in my life. But after my mother graduated from high school, Hilliard High School in 1931, went to Dayton. Now that was a very provocative thing to do as a young woman in 1931 to take off. 
And I used to ask her, I'd say, well, Mother, why did you go to Dayton? She said, I just felt this call to go there. I felt like this is something I, I needed to do. So, being of Scottish heritage, she joined the Westminster Presbyterian Church in downtown Dayton. My mother's maiden name, she was a McPherson, but they don't say that in the Scottish Highlands. She was a McAfearsain, McAfearsain, son of the Parsons. So she joined, you know, Westminster. Then she met my father, who had come to Dayton. Now, my father, that was a very different story. My father was raised in, in what is now the Ukraine. So this war, this war is very personal to me that's going on in Ukraine. So, Slava Ukraine, Ukraine forever, the glory of Ukraine. My father's family, when he was raised there, it was not the Ukraine, it was the Russian Federation. For my father was Jewish. My father's family was raised in what is called the Pale of Settlement, an area of poverty, of oppression, an area that anything to kill the spirit, obviously, that was the Pale of Settlement. So, my grandparents, along with friends, had a boat ticket, had some money, came to Ellis Island, and came into the United States for a change in life, obviously, for a better future. So some of my father's family stayed in Philadelphia, New York, somewhere in Cincinnati. My, my uh, grandparents are buried in Cincinnati. Some came to Dayton, Chicago, out California, etc. So my father meets my mother. They're like opposite poles, right? <laughs> But yet, we know how God's love works sometimes, and they get together, and they start a family. And then tragedy strikes our lives. When I was three years old, my father passed away. So my mother, at that point, has two young kids. My sister is 12. I'm three at the time. How do I raise these kids as a single parent, you know, in Dayton? Big deal, back in the 1950s. So we joined a Methodist church. I was confirmed at 12 years old in 1965. My sister was active. And my sister went on and became Presbyterian, you know, continued those roots. All my nieces were raised as Presbyterians. They've been in the Presbyterian church for 50 or 60 years. And my mother stayed in the Methodist church until the time that uh, she passed away. So as that was evolving and I was starting to grow, I, like a lot of kids, you know, didn't go to a church much when I was growing up. Sometimes I'd go, sometimes I wouldn't. And I went to college down at the University of Kentucky. Well, there's three great religions in Kentucky. One is thoroughbreds. The other two start with a B. One is basketball, and the other is bourbon, right? <laughs> so that's central Kentucky. But I had dear, dear friends down there from college that uh, were Catholic, very devout Catholics, still Catholic to this day, still in their parish in Owensboro. My, my buddy John just uh, retired as a judge after 43 years. In Kentucky, and they encouraged me in this two-by-two two process. Said, you know, they weren't trying to convert me to Catholicism. They just said, you know, engage in faith, become a faithful person. So that really started me thinking about the process of faith in my life. And I went to work in Chicago, and after I was transferred back here to uh, Columbus, other people came into my life as I started to think about this and started praying earnest. You know, where where is my faith going to take me? And I used to always. As we know in Christianity, we've got voices over here and voices over there, and everybody has the truth, right? But I, I always balance that against my mother. I said, you know, this is the person of faith that I know. My, my, mother, my mother was a saint, and I just would, I would bellwether what I heard against how I saw, you know, her live, her, she live her life. And it brought me to 
you know, originally to the Methodist Church and now to the Presbyterian Church. So during the course of those, those uh, experiences, I had a colleague, a good friend of mine, Ralph, who was a runner, and the running craze was occurring in the 1970s, late 70s and early 80s, and that was, you know, uh, 50 pounds and 40 years ago. But my, uh, my buddy Ralph was not just a runner, he was a gifted runner, and he ran for Capital University, and his father in high school was on the relay team with the great Jesse Owens, so he had the genes to run. So we'd go out in the country and run, and I would tell my, I'd be running along with my buddy Ralph, you know, and I was keeping up with him and keeping up, and then his genes is, or would start to kick in, and I'm breathing heavy, and he's yawning over here, and so I would tell him, Ralph, just take off and stay out on the horizon so I can see which way that you go. And I'll be along at my, my level and catch up with you. Well, he would come out on these road races with me when we would run around the state. He'd finish and come back out and run with me, right, to see so that he'd help me come across the finish line. Well, running was just a portion of what he was. He and his wife, Diane, were devout Christians. And the, the silence of their Christian faith was deafening to me. They were quiet. They were contemplative. They were grounded. But their silence was deafening to me. And that spoke volumes to me in my faith and to help me evolve, you know, as a person. And as time went along, I kept praying. Another person, another colleague uh, crossed my path, a guy who since passed away that was very active at, uh, over in Westerville at a Presbyterian church at Central College. And he said, you know, Barry, said, I've been in a lot of ecumenical things around the city. You want to go to North Broadway United Methodist Church? I know a lot of people there. They're great people. They've got a big ministry back in the late 70s, early 80s, I think that there may be somebody, you know, you could kind of hook yourself in there. So on uh, World Communion Sunday in 1985, I took two things, myself and my faith, and I got in my little Honda Accord, and off to North Broadway I went. And when I sat down in that service, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that somebody special was going to arrive in my life. And I had not met Jan at that point. But I knew, I knew in my spirit she was there. Well, little did I know she lived right across the street in the church, right? So, and then shortly, a couple months after that, we met, we married, and we've been together ever since. And so, I just feel like those two-by-two experiences has been God just showing me, holding me up, you know, holding me by the arm to say, this is, these are faith positions that I want you to see, I want you to feel encouraged so that you can make this walk uh, of faith uh, as we go around or go about our daily lives. So thank you for listening to me this evening. Um, thank you in English, uh, in Ukrainian, and in Russian. Amen. <laughs>